0: Well, good evening. It is uh, glad to have you all joining us tonight on Tuesday evening as we uh, endeavor to open god 's word together and uh, share time together uh, at home as we uh, endeavor to uh, do this during this time. You know this is a, a new uh, thing for me, so bear with me as I endeavor to uh, teach. Uh, a camera and Jeremy <laughs> tonight. So, um, but uh, I, I trust that God will be glorified in, in how we uh, approach His Word. Uh, we do want to encourage you to follow along, uh, not only with your Bible, uh, but also follow along uh, intently. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to try my hardest to be to engage you and to to uh, get you to think of questions and so on. If you come up with questions or thoughts or even just a comment, uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be a question. Uh, You can put a comment in there and uh, Jeremy will be your voice of that comment. And So if you want to just say something, try to make it short. Obviously don't write a a long uh, paragraph on it, but if you have a short little comment that you want to add uh, to what I'm saying or a thought that you have, Uh, that might not be question-oriented, feel free to do that. But please uh, try to to stay engaged. I know you get comfortable sitting on your couch or chair or wherever it is, and you can kind of zone out, um, but uh, endeavor to to pay attention. Tonight is uh, such a vital part to... Uh, to our understanding of salvation and, and, and how god 's sovereign plan of salvation works, and so we definitely want to uh, engage uh, in in the lesson tonight um, so uh, we'll uh, we 'll pray and then we 'll get started, Lord. we thank you so much for uh, the technology we thank you for how you have enabled us as a church and as a country to to have the abilities to to uh, reach out to our, uh, our church family in this way and even to our community. And if those uh, that are not a part of our church are watching tonight, I hope that this is an encouragement to you, and I hope that we can uh, encourage you in the future. <clears throat> we are endeavoring uh, to... To do several of these throughout the week and then on Sunday. So, uh, Lord, I pray that we would be an encouragement to our church body and then to those uh, outside of our immediate church body that might be watching tonight. In your name, amen. Well, we are in Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter number 10 is uh, where we uh, find ourselves tonight. We left off uh, last week, we uh, ended chapter number 9, and um, we see where Peter is in Joppa, and he's at a man's named Simeon, uh, a tanner's house there. And then we get into a vision. Now, I want to say just out at the forefront, um, majority of uh, believers that are are great Bible study uh, students and those that are theologians and so on, View chapter 10 of the book of Acts is probably one of the most, if not the most, important chapter in the book of Acts, and some say uh, even in the entirety of the New Testament, because it really gives us a clear picture of how salvation has been opened uh, to the Gentiles and to all people. And so what an exciting uh, study that we're going to uh, endeavor to get into tonight. Now, I'm going to let you know at the the offset, when I typically teach uh, a lesson, I have uh, the audience read portions or whatever. Uh, For those of you that know me, um, you know that I struggle with uh, some dyslexia. And so to make sure that things flow well, if I start to kind of fumble with words or whatever, uh, my great friend Jeremy is going to pitch in and read, and so things go Uh, So things will flow. So if you hear someone reading that you cannot see, it is not God speaking, it is Jeremy, okay? And he is going to help me do that tonight as uh, we endeavor to teach this uh, chapter number 10. And we're going to try to get to verse 23 tonight. So verse 23 is our goal uh, to get to. But we're going to start here, obviously, in verse number one. It says, there, now, there was a man of Caesarea named uh, Cornelius, a centurion of which was called the Italian cohort. Okay? Now, <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about uh, area and geography. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the man and his position, because I think it's important that we understand uh, where he was, and who he was, and why, uh, what's said about him in the following verses is, is important, uh, and I think it really lends to uh, a good understanding of of who he is as a person. So, Caesarea is located near modern Tel Aviv. Okay, so if you understand the modern geography, Tel Aviv is roughly about thirty-seven miles from Jerusalem, northwest. So that's the the area in which uh, we find ourselves in. Okay, uh, so about again, 37 miles northwest of Jerusalem is um, where. Uh, um Caesarea is, and, or Tel Aviv is that area, okay? So we understand that. Now, Caesarea of Philippi is a different location. So some people might say, well, isn't there a Caesarea in uh, Philippi? Yes, there is, but that is on the Sea of Galilee. And so uh, two different locations, two different areas. So that's where it was. Now, something that's interesting about the city there, uh, it was built in... Uh, controlled in early, uh, the Philistines kind of built that area and had control of that area and then uh, over time the area was destroyed and in the year 22 BC, uh, Herod the Great came in and started to rebuild that city there. And it took him uh, roughly about 12 years. So he went from 22 uh, B.C. to 10 B.C. It was what the construction of that time was. Now, um, the, the city was a headquarters for the Roman officials, the governors, and high-ranking officers. There was a lot of military. It was a very strategic um, area. And so there was a very big military presence there. It had five major road systems coming in and out of the system or the city, so it wasn't just a little village. It was quite an epicenter of of uh, the Roman uh, cities. It was a very major city in Rome, and it' very important to understand that because the bigger your cities get, the more involved they get with uh, idolatry and gods and religious, and, they, and that those things become. Uh, more evident and, and really can uh, can dominate an area, and that will, will understand why that's important as we get into un, uh, looking at Cornelius and so it 's important to understand that uh, Rome uh, this city was a, a very vital major city in in that area okay and it says here that he was a centurion, okay a centurion was a captain over a hundred men, okay, in the Roman army. That's the the general term for them. Uh, Here it lends to give the idea that he was actually uh, more than just a captain. He had more uh, authority. He was in a higher position. He was a part of the Italian cohort. The cohort was over 600 soldiers. And there was a group, and they were kind of the elite group of soldiers, and so he was not only uh, in the elite city, he was also one of the elite soldiers and, and main figures in that city as well. Okay, and This is important, again, that we understand this as we begin to read about who he was. Okay, So he was a centurion uh, and a high-ranking officer in a major city of Rome. All right, And so that's what we're seeing here in the first verse. Now, in the second verse, we're going to see his character and what kind of man this is. All right, and so in verse 2 it says, A devout man and one who feared God. Okay, and this is under, we need to really understand that this is not a small case God. This is God, uh, uh, the God of Israel, okay, the true and living God. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, which is important, and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually okay so this gives the background of who he was that he was a god fearing man and that he respected and and helped and gave alms to the jewish people and prayed to god continually and so he was definitely invested uh into who uh god uh to the god of israel now Uh, We're going to dive into that here in just a minute. Now Jesus gave uh, in His ministry a very important plan to how the gospel was going to be uh, spread and how and, and in which way that was going to be done. And, and he said to in this commission that we want to see it go to Jerusalem and then to, and to Judea, to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And that was the great commission. That's the, the, the desire that Jesus uh, relayed to his disciples. We see in the book of Acts that plan unfolding, and it's really a fun thing to dive in and see how God orchestrated that plan. And that's where we are, right in the midst of God unfolding His plan of how He was going to to uh, to roll out salvation to not only to the Jews but also to the Gentiles. Okay, and so. Acts shows us a very clear picture. We just had studied just a few chapters ago where the persecution started coming. And we see people are fleeing from Jerusalem where the church had started and they went to Samaria and they went to Judea. And we saw the Samaritans come to know Christ. And, and that was the beginning of showing, wow, wow. Other people besides Jews are coming to know Christ. And, and we remember seeing how God used Peter and John to, to baptize and to relay that yes, people that are not Jews can come to Christ. And then we go forward and we see uh, we just saw the eunuch that came to Christ and another Gentile non- jewish person and so we're seeing p- bits and pieces of people that are coming to Christ that are not Jews and which is very very exciting for us as Gentiles and us that are not of Jewish descent that we see that God is opening up salvation uh, to To all mankind, and and this is very, very uh, exciting, and that's what really the the chapter 10 is uh, all about, okay, and so there's, I want to remind us of some people groups that Acts talks about. Obviously, we just talked about it, it talks a lot about Jews at the beginning of the book, very, very much about Jews. And then we get in a little bit deeper into the book and we start talking about the Samaritans and then we talk about Gentiles in general. And then there's a fourth group of people that's mentioned in the book of Acts and that is God fears. Okay? And that is who we see here in Cornelius is a God fearer. All right? And what do we mean when we say, god fear what how does why do we uh, or what do we know about those that are called god fears okay they're usually greek speaking gentiles okay they're greek speaking gentiles who converted to Judaism in every aspect except for one all right. so all of the aspects of being a Jew and, and, and all of their laws and they, they endeavored to, to join themselves to the, the Yahweh, the, the true and living God, and they saw that He is the true and right God. And they endeavored to, to join themselves to that people group, the Jewish people group, uh, in every way except for, excuse me, uh, circumcision. Now we can kind of understand why that would be, it's one thing to be circumcised as a child, it's an entirely new, different thing to be circumcised as an adult. And so uh, you can see how they would say, mm, we'll, we'll do it in every way except for that one, all right? And, and which we, throughout, when we get into the New Testament, we understand that this is actually an area of, of controversy throughout uh, portions of the New Testament and uh, we gain the understanding that it is no longer uh, a necessary thing.
1: Yeah, uh, Mark. Yes. We, um, let's see. Is my, my microphone is on? I think it's on. Um, there's a question about what you mean by it would be a, a difficult thing to do as an adult. I'm just yeah. You didn't even believe me for a second, did you?
0: Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll just let those uh, in your home describe that. All right. Um, But it truly is the reason why that these men um, would not uh, do that aspect is um, quite painful. Okay. Uh, but it, it, would, it would stop them, and, and the reason we bring the circumcision up and why this might have been a big deal would stop them from being able to enter the inner courts of, um, of the temples. And so that would be a, uh, an aspect of hindrance of them not being able to enter those inner courts, okay? But this is the group of people that we are uh, talking about when we say "God fears," and, and they, there is a, a large group of them that and, and the reason why, at the beginning, I went through the the area where he lived and who he was is it 's a pretty big deal that god uh, that this man Cornelius would not succumb to the customs and the religious uh, norms of the city and the the people that he would be uh, involved with. Uh, He completely went away from that and went to the true God, Yahweh, and and really uh, invested himself in his family in that true God, which um, is a very... uh, important thing to understand about him, and not an easy decision. A very, very tough decision to make in that culture, especially when uh, many different gods are are very highly pushed in those cultures in that time frame and very pagan pagan way of living and so it's been very easy for a soldier a high-ranking official to fall into uh, the the easy and and sensual life and all of the things that could happen within um, the Roman culture there Uh, could have been very easy for him to be in that but he made a decision with his family that he was going to to fear God, and to follow after God uh, with his family. and So that's the correlation why I wanted to make sure we understood the city and, and who he was and why what's said about him is so, so vitally important. Okay, And so that's <clears throat> what we're saying. Now we're going to get into uh, the meat of what's going on here. So it's kind of just where he was and who he was. And now we're going to talk about him having an encounter uh, with God or with Jesus. Uh, and here it's called an angel, okay? an angel from God. Now, <clears throat> we're going to start in verse number three. About the ninth hour, the ninth hour is three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, so about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw a vision of an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And he fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed. Obviously, that makes sense, right? (laughs) If you would just see an angel of God. We see this throughout, uh, really, the Gospels in the New Testament, and even into the Old Testament. It's a very frightful thing. OK, uh, you, you're you're no one do, that we've seen in Scripture has ever seen it and just been lack of days go, oh Hey, how you doing? It's a very all uh, very frightening thing. Most of the time they fall to the ground. Now, I want to uh, us to really understand what he says here. And he said, what is it, Lord? This is an in key, uh, key set of verses on how he responds to uh, the angel of the Lord, which is uh, the, of Jesus, okay? What is it, Lord? And he said to him, and your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now, in contrast to what Cornelius says here, I want you to turn in your Bible back one chapter to... Um, Chapter Nine and verse number five and we're going to look at paul's response now this is Paul before or this is Saul before he became Paul on the road to Damascus and this is when uh, Jesus knocks him off his horse and and speaks to him and I want you to see paul 's response here or saul 's response here okay in verse number five he says, and he said or well let's go to verse four and and he um, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's the question that this being that he saw um, posed to him. And he said, who are you, Lord? Now, what I want to bring out here is that Cornelius had a similar encounter with an angel of the Lord, which was Jesus, Um, a similar encounter where he came to him, and this was a fearful thing, Cornelius's response is uh, in, in, here. <clears throat> Let me make sure I say it right. what is it, Lord? Okay, understanding who he was. He wasn't asking who this was. He knew who this was because he had a relationship with God already. And he said, "Who or what is it, Lord?" Responding to him in this way, where Saul we see him responding in who are you Lord? Now, obviously, Paul was uh, uh, understood that as he uh, began to speak with Jesus more. But understanding in this context with Cornelius, he knew the Lord and he was in awe of him, but he also knew him. Very important uh, distinctive uh, to understand there. And then it goes on. And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before you. Okay, This is important to understand because the prayer of a Gentile and his alms, his offerings to the Lord, have ascended to him as a memorial. Now, the the ascending, uh, you can go to... Understand that the prayer or the altar of incense is where they would offer their prayers, and the the smell would go up as a sweet smell, a savory smell to God, and is and the and this is a symbolizing uh, symbol of God's acceptance of their prayers. This is what the idea is given here. Is it's become a memorial before you gone acknowledging the prayer of a gentile as. And, and and coming to him directly. Now, again, this is not normal. This is some, this isn't something we should expect today. Okay, this is this is in the book of Acts for, for a specific reason. But again, this uh, is very important for us to understand that God is saying your prayers uh, are coming before God, and God is pleased with them and your offerings of alms. Okay. Very, very exciting and very important aspect of that verse, and then we get into the angel giving uh, direction, uh, or the, maybe the purpose of the vision um, here, and, right? And that starts in verse number five. Now approach. Uh, now, uh, <clears throat> now dispatch some men to Joppa. Send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter he is saying, uh, he is staying with a tanner named Simeon now our Simon we see the mentioned uh, back in chapter nine at the end okay same same guy he 's in the same location still. Okay, and we're going to understand more why that's important later in our lesson. Okay? So just put that in the back of your hand, mind that he is staying with a tanner named Simon whose house is by the sea. Okay? So the angel here gives very specific directions. He gives directions uh, to uh, where he's staying, the name of the person that's there, and also um, the, the location there by the sea. Okay, and when the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. Okay, so he called these men to him, three three uh, men, and after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, so what the angel has come here, he's. He's come and given a vision and saying, basically, I'm pleased with you and your prayers have come up before me and the prayers uh, that you have been sending to me, I'm answering and I'm going to send you to a man named Peter and he's going to come and, and speak with you. And so go uh, send your men to, to get him. So that's what's going on here. Okay, That's the vision and that's what's going on. Now, we have a short break which ties it stays within the story but it switches over to Peter so if you were uh, in essence watching a movie you would have this going on in the movie and then it would break and it's going to show you what's going over here and and developing on this side of the story okay and so that's kind of what's going on here we have a break and now we're going to see what's going on in the life of Peter and then the two stories are going to merge together so they're separate from each other they're talking about Cornelius here now we're going to talk about peter and then they'll, they'll join back together as one story okay now we've said a lot there don't know jeremy hasn't said we had any questions probably not a whole lot to have questions on there other than jeremy's one that we tried to answer. <laughs> yeah, um, at this point, no questions. Um, that means either I'm doing a good job as a teacher, or we don't have anyone watching. One we, of the two. We,
1: we do have a comment that says you're doing a good job teaching, but that person must be watching a different video. That comment oh, must have just accidentally yes, got it. They, they're, they're probably <laughs> watching, you know, John MacArthur or something. No, yeah. You know. um, yeah. Angela Lance says, uh, "Cornelia sounds like Job," um, but yeah, no questions so far. So if you guys have questions, please. Uh, share them with us.
0: Mark is ready to answer any and all questions. (laughs) That are relative. (laughs) That are relative. All right. So uh, we're going to read here in, uh, starting in verse number nine. On the next day, so this happened one day, on the very next day, as they were on their way, these three men were on their way approaching the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Okay. And this is um. This time is three or at noon. Okay, so uh, just so that you understand the time frame here, it's around twelve o'clock noon. Okay, it's three or six, the the sixth hour. So we went up on the housetop. Uh, the culture of that day was they would have flat tops in their house. And often it would be an area where you could go up there and sit. And some of the, uh, some of the bigger cities have apartments like that, where you can go up and sit on the top of the apartments and some even out houses like that. But that was very, a uh, common uh, thing in the culture of that area where to have houses where they're flat on top and you could go up there and sit and, and enjoy uh, the views and so on. <clears throat> so Peter goes up there, obviously probably a little bit quieter up on the housetop and, uh, desires to spend some time in prayer. Um, But as most men, he uh, becomes hungry. Okay, verse number 10. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. Uh, Now, I from reading this, I believe that this hunger, it is at noon. I'm not a whole, I'm not completely sure of the culture. I don't know if they eat like Americans did back then, where you eat lunch at noon. Uh, That could be the case. I don't know. Uh, I do believe that this hunger uh, was sent by God from reading the rest of this story. Regardless, he became hungry. And uh, while they were uh, making preparations while they were getting ready his food, he fell into a trance okay so this is obviously a god induced trance he 's up on the housetop, and the people have gone away from him to prepare food and God puts him into a trance and and This is the vision uh, which he sees and he saw the sky open, and an object like a great sheet came down, lowering by the four corners to the ground Uh, just for information purposes um, the sheet here that's talking about uh, the word there is in reference to a um, mask for a sail ship okay the the large uh, sheet that would be used for a sail so that's that's just for information there, that's, that's what it's uh, referring to. So this big sheet, like a sail, came out of the sky, uh, dropped by its four corners, okay? So he's seeing this happen, and there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air, all right? And so... Um, Again, it doesn't say what animals necessarily they were uh it just says that there were uh, four footed animals creeping critters and birds okay and that encompasses probably the all of the animals uh in that all right that that's the idea there and a voice came to him okay he he knows this is god uh, he's not curious at this point who this is he knows from past experiences uh, that this is God okay a voice comes to him and says something peculiar now I'm gonna I'm gonna pause here just to give us a quick reminder because Peter's gonna have a an interesting response to God here all right Peter was a Jew of Jews he was raised a Jew and lived a devout Jewish life okay in being a Jew he had to uh, stay to the dietary laws, and he's going to uh, talk about that as he goes through. But as we begin to get into this, understand his response to God is out of a uh, out of a desire to want to stay true to the dietary laws of the Old Testament, and that he, that he's never broke. Okay. So as this story unfolds here, and he sees the request of God, and you see his re- reaction, you'll understand why he gave that reaction. So verse fourteen or thirteen, a voice came to him, "Get up, Peter, kill and eat." Okay, so he's obviously he's hungry, and God sends this vision. There's a bunch of animals on a sheet, and God says, "Peter, get up, kill them and eat." Peter says. But Peter says in verse 14, by no means, Lord, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. Okay, so he has just told God no. All right, now, if this was anyone else, we might be a little bit more surprised, but it is Peter, okay? We kind of expect this from Peter, uh, from getting to know him in the Gospels and throughout really the uh, all of um all of the New Testament and throughout the book of Acts, we see Peter often uh, says things maybe and not thinking about uh, everything he says. But he had just told God Almighty, no, I'm not doing that. And he does explain why, but he still told God no. And I believe God's response to him here is not one of um, calmness, or not necessarily calmness, but not one that's just... um, patient i think god is very uh forceful in his next statement here okay so peter says by no means lord i have never eaten anything unclean or unholy again the voice came to him a second time what god and you can you can kind of hear god's voice here what god has cleaned cleansed no longer consider unholy okay making a very Pointed uh, statement here uh, to try to clarify what he's saying. It, uh, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times. Okay, so this conversation went back and forth three times, and immediately, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Okay, so. Wow, we got we got a lot going on here, and it might look a little bit confusing, but there's two major things that's going on here in this section, okay? And I've got to uh, get this out as quick as I can because we're uh, we want to try to get to verse 23, okay? Now, uh, the Jewish dietary laws. That Peter was saying, no, I can't do that. They were set up for a specific reason. And I want to make sure that we understand this because it really plays into understanding what's going on here. The dietary laws, now there were dietary laws and there were, uh, uh, there were several different kinds of laws, but the dietary laws themselves were set up to separate the people of God from the pagans or Gentile people that surrounded them. Now, God chose Abraham with nothing to do with Abraham. God just chose a pagan man named Abraham to create a people group called the Jews from. And God gave them covenants and gave covenants to Moses. And again, this was nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with God. And God was creating a people group for a purpose and that purpose was to set this people group apart from everyone else so that they could be a symbol to God and also carry out his redemptive plan. Very important. And one of the reasons for the dietary laws is to separate them from other groups of people, in particular the the pagans, he wanted to separate himself from them, uh, or separate the Jews from them, so that they would be a wholly separate people, and that they would uh, not in enter intermarry and intertwine themselves just as we do as americans and as we do all around the world we come to different cultures and what do we typically do we eat around the 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 food table and god is setting very uh, strict guidelines on what they can eat how they can eat it when they can eat what types of food how they can prepare it all of these things are done specifically to to separate them from the pagan culture and to keep their mind and their their focus on god now obviously we know that israel struggled with that the entirety of their 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 nation, and throughout the, uh, the Old Testament. But the purpose still is the same, and that is to keep God's people separate from them and to keep them a peculiar people. They didn't dress the same. They didn't eat the same. They didn't do anything the same as the other cultures. And that was one of the main reasons for the dietary laws. Now, we fast forward, and Jesus has come. The, the Jewish people, uh, through their lineage, have now brought Christ. And Christ has come through them, and He has, he has paid the debt. He has uh, died. And the purpose for which He used Israel for has now been fulfilled. The reason He created them was to bring about the redemption through that people group. That has been fulfilled now with Christ's death and resurrection on the cross or on from the grave very important to understand now this vision what that's saying is that dietary law is being pulled away and abolished it has gone away with what is that picture what is that illustrating to us that the there's no longer a separation between jews and Gentiles between the pagans and the Jews, God is tearing away that separation, and where we're going to be together as a united church, and this is the church age, and that's what's being showed here, okay, and. So we're not only seeing that God is saying that food is okay to eat because I'm taking those dietary laws away, which we're going to see throughout the book of Acts and really throughout uh, several of the epistles. And The people are struggling with these dietary laws uh, throughout that, and Paul keeps reminding them of that God has died and that law is gone because we are all brought together uh, in unity with Christ. Yes?
1: So we have a question asking, does this mean we can all expect to hear a voice from God for personal revelation so we know right and wrong?
0: No. Very, very direct answer. Okay. Again, uh, looking at the, the book of Acts, we cannot look at really anything in the book of Acts um, that happens supernaturally. In in, as far as God speaking directly, audibly to a person. We don't see that anywhere. Uh, We don't see that happening outside of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a transitional book, as we have said uh, throughout this time. And there's many things that go on in the book of Acts that is not normative, and we can't expect to see that. We have in this 66 books the revelation of God. Okay? We no longer need outside revelation. We don't need God uh, to speak directly to us in an audible voice for direction. We have His complete work uh, on Scripture. So I hope that answers your question. But no, we cannot expect to hear audibly from God. And if you are or you think you have, uh, you definitely need to come speak uh, to the elders of your church. If that was a member here, then come speak to us. Uh, but you should not you you should not be hearing audibly from another uh, from God. No. Yes. Another one. Um, if Christians are called to be a holy people, a royal priesthood,
1: set apart for God, why would we not be expected to
0: carry out the law, just like the Jews who were called to be set apart? the The idea in the Old Testament was for a specific people group to identify with God, and that what they did was uh, identify them with the God of Israel and the true God, okay? The the same symbol, the same idea is carried into the New Testament, and that we are to be a separate people, and that we are to be a, a holy priesthood and set apart to God, but it's in in accordance to what the the new testament teaches and how uh how we conduct our lives and how we live our lives it is not geared up in a bunch of laws and regulations and rules now to say that i want to make sure that we understand that there were more than just dietary laws there were moral laws in the old testament okay and we are still hold to those moral laws because the moral laws were written out of the character of God. God's character is revealed through the moral law. And so God has not abolished the moral law, the Ten Commandments and so on. So we would not see God saying, no longer do you have to honor me, or no longer is it important not to honor your father and mother, or it's okay to to have an idol. All of those things are still in effect. They're all still wrong, or we need to abide by them, because God would never go against His character, which is His moral law. And so we no longer are under the dietary laws, but we are under the laws of what we would say in the New Testament are uh, to live a God-fearing, holy life. Uh, but we are f- have freedom in Christ, and we are not held under uh, certain specific laws like they were in the Old Testament. But we are to be peculiar and different. And we should stand out as believers and as Christians different than the world. We should not, the world shouldn't look at us as believers and say, oh, they're just like us. Uh, we, are not, we are not to be that way. We are. We are to be separate and to look and act different uh, because we are ambassadors of Christ. Just like an ambassador of the United States or any country, you're representing your country, and so you're expected to act and to present yourself in a certain way that would represent your country well. It's the same thing with us as believers. We are expected to act and present ourselves in a certain way because we represent the highest authority, which is God. So I hope that answers your question there. 746. Okay, 746. So, um, let me see here. We, we've pretty much got the idea of what's going on there. Um, I'm going to just, for the sake of speed, I'm going to have Jeremy read verses 17 uh, to 23, which will kind of give us what happens after this. And then we're going to read one more verse, and then we will um, wrap it up. So Jeremy, read uh, 17. So this is what happens right after the vision. Read 17 through 23, if you will.
1: Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in his mind... As to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. But get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you so he invited them
0: in and gave them lodging okay so something interesting that Jesus or the angel tells him uh, in verse 20 is make sure that you greet them right okay um, understanding again the cultural Things that Peter's warring with in his head, okay. Uh, I, I don't believe at this time he fully understood what the vision was. Okay, so God's r- reminding him here, uh, be be respectful to them. And just quickly as a as a point with the Tanner, he is living in a Tanner's home or staying in a Tanner's home which we know what a tanner is. It's one that deals with dead animals and, and, and uses their skins for all various different kinds of things, which would be way away from what the Jews would, would do. And we're going to see here in another verse how associa- Jews associating with Gentiles is just, it's just not what we do. And all of this is being pulled away because God is opening up the church not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles and to the rest of the world. And so the key verse that we understand, because verse 17 can be a little bit confusing. Well, he was perplexed. He didn't know what was going on. Well, it doesn't, the story doesn't end there. Uh, We see here in verse 28, where God reveals to him the purpose of that vision. And so, we're going to revisit this next week, but I wanted to just make sure that I uh, brought this out to you. Okay, He says here in verse 28, He said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for me, for, for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or visit with him okay this is not acceptable goes back to we got to stay separate and apart from one another because they don't the jews did god didn't want the jews to be influenced by the pagans and so that was the idea in the culture here Okay, but this is the very key verse. The end of this verse is very key, and God yet, um, you see, and yet God has shown me. Okay, reverting back to this vision, God has made clear. God has shown me that I shall not call any man unholy or unclean. Okay, and the idea there of unholy is not to say that now we call all men holy. That's not the idea. But the idea is that we no longer see Gentiles, pagans, all of the different people groups out there as not, uh, a, we cannot associate with them, we can't be with them, we have to stay separate from them. God is opening up his salvation to uh, the to the Gentiles. And this is the plan, like I talked about at the very beginning. We started in Jerusalem, went to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And this is where we start seeing that fantastic idea of the uttermost parts of the world and why you can see why scholars would say this is a very key and very po- uh, important chapter in redemptive history and redemptive to to us as Gentiles is that God has. To abolished the the dietary laws and by doing that he has separated that uh, dividing line and allowing us to enter into to his salvation into his rest which was uh, primarily for the Jews now it's for the Gentiles and we see that opened up throughout uh, the rest of scripture so I hope that that was super encouraging you tonight uh, there are some things that I uh, that we'll talk about uh, next week that um, we'll bring out in relation to the same thing. But uh, Peter uh, begins to teach Cornelius, uh, and, and God uses him to to share uh, many truths here uh, in the rest of the chapter. So, again, I hope that was encouraging. And you have another question? Yeah,
1: one I missed earlier. Um, a question asking the angel who visited Cornelius mm-hmm. that we met back up in verse... Uh, three, is there any reason to believe that this is the angel of the Lord, like in the Old Testament, or is this just an angel? What's um, no, how th- far can we define this angel?
0: I believe that this is the angel of the Lord. That this is Jesus. Okay, um, I, we see the same reference to the angel of the Lord here um, several times. Um, let me see here. The same, same reference is given um, with Saul, okay? Uh, the angel there is shown and is, proclaims himself to be Jesus. It's the same, um, same terminology, okay? And throughout Scripture, um, as we see here, uh, see the, this um, angel speaks as if he is God, okay? And that's a very important uh, distinction to make. Uh, let me see. About the ninth hour of the day, of the day, he clearly saw a vision, an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And he fixed his gaze on him and became uh, and being much alarmed, said to him, "What is it, Lord?" That Lord in your Bible is capitalized, referencing this is. Uh, the God this is the, that would not be capitalized or would not be said that way um, if it was referring just to an angel so that 's how we understand that that often these this protection this here is uh, we see that there who is, what is it Lord gives us the idea that this is uh, definitely Jesus um, in that, in that setting.
1: Yeah, so. I don't think there are any other questions that I'm seeing,
0: at least at this moment. Um, so, Okay. Yeah. Well, if you think of any, maybe read back through, especially uh, verses 9 through 16. Uh, that's probably where you're going to have the most questions or maybe come up with some. Just as a reminder, next week we have, uh, or Thursday, uh, we're going to have... Um, a thursday school okay it was what something what we would do on uh sunday uh what we're going to do it on thursday and that's going to be uh talking about the importance of giving uh, you might say well that's an odd time to do that and jeremy's already related to that but we we decided to do this many months ago so please turn in it's it's a good good lesson it's important for us at any time to to be aware of the importance of giving and why we give All right, we're going to do that for two Thursdays in a row. Next Tuesday, obviously, we'll be back here looking at uh, the end of chapter nine. And then uh, at the end of the month, we're going to do another QA. So please develop all of the questions through all of these messages and teaching times and and write them down so we can uh, try to answer those uh, when we can. So, um, any other thoughts you want to have, Jeremy, before we close? Um, just stay
1: in touch with us. Uh, We, you know, we've got emails that get sent out. We have lots of Facebook posts. There are lots of videos going on right now, a lot of technology. So if you are confused about any of that, need help with any of that, just let us know as soon as you can and really just try to maintain as much normalcy as you can through technology. Uh, We want to help. So let us know. Yeah. The
0: ladies, when are the ladies, are they doing that tomorrow? Thursday. It's on Thursday. So ladies are doing their, uh, what is that called? Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, it's either 2.30 or 3.00. Just ask Melissa. So that's going on. So the Zoom on Thursday, and that's for the ladies. And then we had a great time with the men on Saturday. Um, Kind of hilarious. It sounded like the ladies had the same uh, humorous time trying to figure it all out. And this is fun for us all trying to figure out technology. Yeah, Um, and we'll
1: do it, the men will do it
0: again Saturday morning at 8.30. Okay. So please join us and it's good time. Um, it's kind of low key. We're just fellowshipping with each other and praying for each other and, and laughing and, and talking about what we've learned through scripture and so on. So uh, please join us for those. And then again, uh, make sure you join us on Thursday uh, for, for that lesson. Well, let's pray and then we will close our evening. Lord, we thank you so much for your lesson here. We thank you uh, Lord, for opening up Scripture clearly to show, Lord, that you brought salvation uh, to, to the Jews, to those of us that don't deserve it. Lord, none of us do. And Lord, we are so grateful that you have saw fit to uh, share salvation with us. Lord, we just love you and thank you for that. pray that you would protect our people and protect our church. And uh, Lord, share your love with them. And Lord, that we would encourage one another and love on one another as best we can right now, Lord. We love you and thank you in your name. Amen.